Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. We're going to be still be teaching in our series on the power of a gathered people. And on Independence Day, for those of you who are, have been asleep for the last 245 years, we declared our independence from a tyrannical ruler that in King George III of England. And I would caution all of us who uh, called USA our home that our national spirit of independence is rife throughout this land. We are independent people. Rugged individualism is our hallmark of being American. But listen, I have to say this, this is not always helpful. It is not always helpful. So I'm gonna propose today, even as Pastor Tony prayed for us, a new declaration of dependence. And Pastor Tony prayed about our dependence on God. But I wanna add to that as well, our dependence on one another. We need one another. And that spirit of independence doesn't help right now. So in this season, while we're recovering from the effects of this pandemic, worldwide pandemic, by the way, we're declaring a season of renewed commitment to gathering together as a worshiping, gathered people of God. And I'm telling you, every single week over the last number of weeks, I still hear people saying for the very first time, welcome back. Because it's been such a long time since they've been together with the body of Christ. So previous messages in this series encouraged things like this. uh, Being a living stone, as Pastor Jack asked us all to take a, a piece of stone, representing the fact that you are part of the living stone in the temple of Jesus. A building fit together. Then we talked also about the authority and the power that happens when there's a gathered church and the authority that exists because there is such a thing called church. And how that as we gather as a people who have each been called, we're called to come into the light. Each of us together, we've experienced what it is to come into the light out of the darkness together. All of us, we share that in common. So I'm excited to talk further about gathering today and the power of being a gathered people. But first, I want to provide a biblical basis for the way and the why we gather. So if you, my title today of this message is called Each One Hatha Hatha. I know that seems foreign to you, but if you were raised on King James Bible, how many of you have ever heard Hatha Hatha before? Okay, there's two of us here. (laughs) There's a few of us. But you know the significance of that, and we're going to get into exactly that in a little bit. I'm going to take my scripture segments from 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. I would love to be able to exegete all that whole section of scripture, but I have to, for the sake of time, run quickly today over some of those. But I want to emphasize some specific sections. So the church at Corinth that Paul was writing to was rife with difficulties, as a congregation. They suffered from divisions. They suffered from immorality. 
they were disrespectful to one another and to the sacrament of Eucharist. That is, when they had communion, they were disrespectful of that sacrament. They also misunderstood how the spiritual gifts were designed to function by the Holy Spirit. Now, thankfully, Paul writes to correct the Corinthian church, and we get to read his corrections. Otherwise, we might never know these jewels of truth that we gain from his writings. Isn't that a wonderful benefit? Because Corinth messed up. We get to hear all these great teachings from Paul. I think it's wonderful. And then I want to mention this, chapter 13, so the so a lot of these things that go on here in chapter 12, we'll get into in a bit. But then right in the middle of this, between these two scripture segments I have is chapter 13, which sits there, and by the way, is about the spiritual gifts. We'll get into that in a second. And then chapter 14 is even more details on how to correctly use the gifts, the spiritual gifts. And then right before chapter 13, it finishes with these words, where Paul says this, you see, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And because the more excellent way to use the spiritual gifts is love. So that's why Paul puts that chapter in there. I know we all have heard it read at our weddings and places like that. We call it the love chapter. But it's really still all about spiritual gifts. It is. And if you read carefully through it, you'll understand exactly what I mean by that. So I've selected today's passage to gain greater appreciation for something that Paul calls the body of Christ. And what we are to do when we gather and how we should view one another when we do get together. So, we could open up our text to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm gonna back up to around verse, yeah, I'll start at verse 12 just for starting in this. Before we do, let's pray, put your hand to bless the word of God. If it's a paper Bible, if it's just your smartphone, put your hand on your smartphone. Lord, we thank you for your word, the power of it. And I thank you, God, that preserved for us is the corrections that Paul made to that church. And how 2,000 plus years later, oh God, the world is not very different and neither are we. So God, thank you for the power that is in your word let your Holy Spirit accompany each one of them, we pray now, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. For time's sake, I'm going to do a running commentary, which drives some people crazy, I know. But I'm going to give a little bit of a pause every once in a while to explain some of the wording that Paul gives to us. And I will be reading from the New American Standard, except one portion I'm going to jump to King James. Verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And in other epistles of Paul, he goes into even more details of the divisions within the body of Christ. But he says this, despite all of our differences, despite our diversity, we were all made to drink of one spirit. That's so important. That is why we're all gathered here today, because of the one 
spirit that we've all been able to drink of. Now, the body is not made of one part, but many. And if the foot says, oh, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. In other words, just because you said so doesn't mean it's true. That's what Paul's saying. Do you understand that? People say lots of things, but they're not always true. 16 says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God, but in fact, God, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were one part, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts would have equal care for each other. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. But now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Now here, Paul then goes into a list of the spiritual gifts. That's my, not my main focus today. Could be in this passage, you'd hear that later on. And he describes all of our motivations for the spiritual gifts should be love, as he does in chapter 13. And then in 14, goes into more details how the gifts operate. And then near the end of chapter 14, he wrote this. I'm going to start out with... Um, Oh, I, I, I'll, I'll do it in the uh, New American Standard, but then I'm going to swap and I'll do it again in King James. So what is the outcome then, brethren? This is verse 26, 14, 26. What is the outcome, brethren? When you assemble, that is, when you gather together, each one of you has a psalm. And in this case, we understand psalms were always sung. So this is likely somebody who would lead out in a song. Maybe just one person leading out in that song has a teaching. And when you see that, think things like this, like a Bible study, or like a message, or like this sermon today. Okay, that's what you think. Think of a teaching. Has a revelation. And that revelation means something God has revealed to someone. The most common form that we see it in, and I think this passage refers to it, is prophecy. A prophecy is when God reveals something to somebody and they share it to bless other people people. That's what prophecy is. Has a tongue. Has an interpretation. In tongue there, we say glossolalia. That means speaking in tongues, but with an interpretation. Very important that Paul puts that in there. Let all things be done for edification, for building up, 
And the King James says it like this. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, each one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. So now you know where I got the title of the message today. And I want to emphasize in this Bible passage, this concept of the body of Christ. And Paul's the most prolific New Testament writer in his use of this illustration of the body to describe church. It's not a building, it's ecclesia, the ones, all of yous, who've been called by the name of Jesus. So recall in this series, Peter's epistle, Peter refers to the gathered people as a temple or a building, but Paul also uses some of this terminology when he uses the word like edify, because edify means to build up. It's a little bit of an architectural term also there when Paul says that. So first I want to highlight a couple things about the segment we read from chapter 12. Paul's trying to correct some errors of the Corinthian church. So I'd like to make mention that there are some common errors of exclusion. And the reason why I said they're common errors is because they're errors we are prone to make too. So take this as a reminder to all of us today about these errors of exclusion. The first error exclusion is this. We exclude ourselves because we undervalue, undervalue our gift. And the exact words used by Paul here is to say, I do not belong to the body. But remember I said just because he says it, just because he says it doesn't make it true. That is true. We too easily say, you know, it doesn't matter if we gather together or not. Look, I can watch the worship service online. Bless those of you who are watching online. I can sing along anywhere, anytime. I can sip my coffee and enjoy myself. All that's good. And it's recorded. I can watch this tomorrow or the next day if I couldn't be there on Sunday morning. Beautiful technology. Thank you, God, for it. But I ask, what difference does it make if I stay at home and watch? Or if I even go to the beach for the day, for example? Or if I actually ever show up at church? No one's going to notice if I'm not there anyway. We're committing this error of exclusion, and we're saying, in essence, I do not belong to the body. Listen to these words. So the story is told. You know what that means, right? This is a true story, kind of, sort of. One Sunday morning, a wife was all dressed and ready to go to church. So she says to her husband, honey, why aren't you getting ready for church? He says, I'm not going, he said. I'm going to give you three reasons why. Number one, the people are cold. Two, no one likes me. And three, I don't want to go. The wife replies, I'll give you three reasons to go. Number one, the congregation is warm towards me. Number two, some people like you. And number three, you're the pastor. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so what would happen if everyone who normally serves on a Sunday were to say, I'm not appreciated, I'm not a part of the body, I don't need to go? 
Think about that. It would only be the pastor there, right? Listen, did you know, maybe you've heard this before, and we had a video to to mention this. It takes 80-plus volunteers every single Sunday for us to do services here at at Bethlehem and at our Mukunji campus. 80-plus people. How many of you saw that video that really emphasizes that? That's impressive. It really is. It'd be really helpful education for this. If ever you can do this, you need to buy tickets to do it now, though, but you can actually watch staff meeting on Wednesdays when we all meet together. <laughs> Seriously, somebody, a guest from another church came here and said, this is so great, I'd pay, tic- I'd pay for tickets to this. <laughs> it is so fun, which it is. But at the same time, you get to see this. You get to see how we coordinate every department of the church at that meeting all the things that go on, the unseen spiritual gifts of this church that make these services possible. It's amazing how many people are involved in those discussions and how we coordinate all of it. It's a miracle that ever comes together. It really is. But see, that's how it's supposed to work. And I'm gonna give a plug for Denise Horn, who runs those meetings. As Denise says, directing the pastors of this church is like herding cats. (laughs) It's even hard to make us all show up on time, I'll tell you. So this is God at work in all of us, and it says, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted it to be. God made that arrangement. This is God's work. So the basic principle, we gather as God's people because we're taught every part matters to God. They're all different, but they all matter in God's plan. But here's another potential error of exclusion that Paul is trying to correct. And the second error is this one. We exclude others because we undervalue their gift. Listen, this is so very important. Our gifts differ from one another. And when gifts differ from one another, inevitably, we compare ourselves to other people. For some people, they believe their spiritual gift is the main reason why we all get together. I may be tempted to say that today because I get up to be here with the microphone, see? And I think for a moment, I'm the most important person here today. But that is a temptation, a terrible one. And if they're not exercising those gifts, those people sometimes say, I need to find some other way where I get appreciated because I'm not being appreciated here anymore. How many of you are familiar with the position in Italian operas called the prima donna, right? The prima donna, she sings most of the words and the songs and stuff like that. But see, the problem with prima donnas is offstage, they act like they're the most important person in the world, you see? And they look down on everybody else in the cast because they're the first lady, the prima donna, see? And some of us, bring a prima donna attitude to church, especially those of us who end up on this platform from time to time. It's a terrible temptation that we have to, but be warned, listen, be warned of this. God's spirit is so generous with his gifts towards us. Sometimes he gives a gift before the character of Jesus has developed in us. That is to say, I don't agree sometimes when the Holy Spirit gives out his gifts. Why did you give them that gift? Lord, they're so immature, but he's so generous 
He doesn't wait for the full stature of Christ to be developed in us. Before we get the gift, he's very generous. So here's our warning that we say around here. It's very important. Your gift may carry you where your character can't keep you. Ooh, it's true. And God enables that to happen because he's so generous with his gift. So the biggest error of exclusion is when we compare our gifts, and this time to say, my gift is better than your gift. <laughs> Secretly inside, we, we, we hide those things, okay? But when we do that, inevitably, we're going to cause others to feel like their gift does not matter. And they will say, well, I am not a part of the body of Christ. I don't belong to the body of Christ. My gift doesn't matter. No, listen to me. They all matter. All of the gifts matter. So we have to talk about some parts of the body, some which are nice to look at, some not so much. So the conversation between the nose of the body and the foot of the body. <laughs> oh boy. So the nose says to the foot, you stink. <laughs> boy, you're not pretty either. <laughs> As anybody knows me, you know I have terribly looking feet because I run too much. And the, the nose would say, haven't you taken a bath lately? Man, we need a foot washing around here. We really do. Really quickly, we need one. In other words, I say, essentially, the nose says to the foot, I don't need you. I don't need you. I think you stink. And then the foot says, well, look, I carried you around through all these streets full of poop, okay? Where would you be without me, is what the foot says. And how it really ought to be said, this is the way it should be, something like this, where the nose says, you know what, foot? I really do need you. In fact, I smell fish and chips. And then the foot says, let's go. I'll lead the way. Okay? That's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> I don't want you guys to just remember about Bobby's, Bob's stinky feet but I want you to remember the point that I made there because we do it sometimes unconsciously, but we're doing extreme disservice to the reasons why we gather together. Do you understand that? So those parts that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. And there should be no division in the body. The parts should have equal care for one another. That's God's intended attitude for us. Each one is a gift for the common good of the body of Christ. No one can exclude themselves. No one can exclude others because they feel they're superior. So what can stop us from falling into these errors of exclusion? I believe that we require to have a vision. A vision. We need a vision. Through the Spirit, I believe God can impart to us Paul's picture of the body of Christ. We need that vision because we can't see it with our natural eyes. See, if you're using only your natural eyes, you'll fall into those errors of exclusion. So let me make this observation if I can. The ability to see the invisible body is necessary for healthy gatherings. For our gatherings to be truly healthy for all of us together, you have to have this 
spiritual ability to see. So without that vision, you know, our gatherings dissolve into nothing more than happy get-togethers. That means we're basically a club, okay? Without that vision, we quickly forget why it is that we gather. We forsake the gathering, we break fellowship over politics, preferences, a party spirit. That's what Paul talks about. Those are factions based on personal views, okay? We break fellowship over those things. My motivation for gathering then becomes my needs, my vision, my values, my ministry. The fatal flaw is this, listen. You have to change your thinking and realize this. It's not all about you. It's about Jesus and his gathered body. It's not about you. Do you see that? Otherwise, we become unhealthy, like the church in Corinth. So here's an exercise. Look around the room, if you can. I can see all of you face, face to face. This is great. But I want you just to look around the room. See how many people are here. And this is what I want you to do. Observe every person as a member of the body of Christ. Each one of them has spiritual gifts. Some of those gifts are known. Some are not yet discovered. Some have not yet been developed. Everyone in this room brings a gift. So here's the next question I'd like to address with this. And Paul doesn't address this but I'm always curious about this. What is the size of the gathered people that Paul's addressing with these words today? Historically and scripturally, there's very little evidence for the size of the Corinthian church gatherings. We actually don't know. There's no record of that. But we can make some estimates, if I could do that today. When he goes down this long list of multiple spiritual gifts, it probably applies to a large group. I don't know how many, hundreds, 150, I don't know. From my own experience, we see there's many more gifts involved in doing big church, if we call this big church, than it would do for little church. And I'm not defining what little church is, but I mean a much smaller grouping. So as we read this last verse from the segment here, I want to get into this again. It's each one in our gathering, half as it says there, a gift to contribute. And so in the early renewal of the charismatic movement in the 70s, it was an important period of time. A couple things became important. This verse became like a, a key verse for those meetings where somebody said, hey, you know what? We're going to have a half the meeting over at my house. We're like, oh, great. The reason they called it half the meetings is because each one half a half a is what they would say. Each one has a gift. In other words, we're all coming together and everybody gets to play a part. Everybody gets to be important at those meetings. Everybody gets to contribute something to those meetings. And that's God's attitude towards us, that each one should have that. And so maybe those groups... I'd say have to be smaller. For certain, we couldn't on Sunday morning have 250, 300 people each doing their gifting from the pulpit, perhaps. But you'd see a lot of those gifts happen today, whether it be the musicians, the people in the sound booth, 
those who greet you out front, those who set up the coffee who you don't see, those who clean up the coffee after you enjoy it who you don't see. They're all serving and playing their part, each one hatha hatha. But nonetheless, I see some of these things best being done. Let me share some examples. Can I do that? I'm going to share stories. When I got saved, I got saved in a home Bible study. And in that home Bible study, there's one guy, his name was Big Bob, and Bob was the prophet. Nobody called him Bob the prophet. And I didn't even know what prophecy was then. But he had the gift of prophecy. And he practiced it. Initially, it was scary. Because he wouldn't say even, thus saith the Lord. He would just start speaking in God's voice. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on here? Hello, hello, hello. But once you get familiar with what the gift is, how it's supposed to work, you see, Bob has a key role. Everybody knows Bob, okay? He was actually a little creepy on the side, but separate from that. Uh, we We knew his gift, okay? And there were others, okay? As they were... They, they lacked musicians. So when my brother and I joined the group and became Christians, they were thrilled. Because they said, oh, we finally have musicians to lead us into song. So everybody knew when the Rentler Brothers showed up, he had great worship. That's just the way it was, you know? And so those gifts in a smaller group are very key. So if somebody doesn't show up, you notice it. All right. Other larger groups, though, and that's where you see people who come along Oh, I don't know. We had a number of years ago a Saturday night service, a special service. It was smaller than this, but it was very intimate. And we didn't have 10 people on the worship band. It might have been three. And there was a lot more opportunity for people to share, to come up to the microphone and share whatever was going on in their lives. It was intimate. And some people came to it just because they liked that sense of, clo- of, of being close. That each one has something to contribute. That's the key part of those meetings. And I used to remember when we were at uh, Mukunji Baptist Church back in the day, and we'd meet in Pastor Doug's living room in the parsonage, and we'd have a young adults meeting. Remember that, Nisi? Nisi remembers that, right? They were very intimate, and everybody had something to contribute back in those, just because of the size of the groups. So I would say in these gatherings, the key piece is people are sharing their gifts and they're appreciated for their gifts. And the size of the group doesn't matter. It can come in all kinds of sizes. In fact, I think for healthy church life, you need different sizes of gatherings to do that. Smaller groups can do certain things so that other groups, larger groups can't, but big church, I love big church. I loved it when we got together with the Mukunji campus. That was fantastic. What a sense of us all together as the family of God. But the key piece in this in all the different sizes of groups is this last principle I'd like to make. The gifts of the Spirit are given primarily for effective mutual edification. Big words when we gather. And that is when we get all the time that we emphasize the spiritual gifts, it is so that we would appreciate that God wants us to build, build, build one another up. That's our purpose. If that's not happening, why are we gathering? In fact, one of the things I would mention here, spiritual gifts have very limited power unless they occur in the context of gathering and edifying. Do you understand that? They're very limited. You get a lot of wow factor when maybe on some 
program somewhere, the big prophet comes up and makes some big declaration. Unless it's gathered with people and building people up, it's a very limited power. I mean that sincerely. Oh boy, here we go. I'm running out of time. So, I'm not saying we can't continue to learn some things from our Zoom meetings, our free conference call meetings, our church online platform. I'm not saying we can't gather benefits from it, but there are limits. That's what I'm saying. There are limits to what we can gain through those gatherings. The writer of Hebrews isn't kidding when they said, look, we ought to be spurring one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together. You want to spur one another to love and good deeds? Get together. That's how you do it. So I want to close with this, um, somebody else speaking about their 2020 pandemic experience. A season of shaking, and somebody said it's a season of deconstruction. And deconstruction is this, when we're asking ourselves this, why do we do what we do when we do it at church? And this particular blogger, she was asking that very question herself. And she wrote this. Ultimately, I'm writing this message to myself. It's been years since we've had a home church, although not for lack of trying to find one, which is exhausting, I admit. My own deconstruction path has been one of study, church history, theology, the church fathers, the lives of the saints. I am so tired of seeker-friendly services and coffee ministries, I could vomit. I want a gathered people experience that's as deep as it is wide, rooted in the ancient, but devoid of patriarchy and politics, of bias and judgment. And I've at last arrived at a place of acceptance that I may never find exactly what I'm looking for, not until heaven. And maybe, just maybe, that's the point. Narnia is wonderful, but it's not Aslan's country. So I just need to find a place where I can contribute my giftings, build imperfect relationships, and worship with other believers as the scriptures instruct me to do, and do what I can, however little, to impact the church. Well, I pray for that blogger. I pray that she would find a church, a good church, a place where she can gather and use her gifts. So what is the outcome then? We know we're being encouraged to be radioactive stones in the temple of Jesus. Woody Allen says this. I'm quoting Woody Allen. Can you believe that? 80% of success in life is just showing up. And I would really say that's the same thing at church. So what's preventing us from showing up? I don't know. Do we respect the authority and the power that comes when we are the gathered church? That's a question to ask. Do you appreciate that you're coming into the light by faith and joining with others who have come out of darkness into light? That's who we're gathering with. And the next in our series, we're going to talk about the church as a household of God, exploring the gatherings as a family and as a household, the place where everybody knows you best. That's how we should be gathering. 
So anyway, I'll also mention this. In the fall, we'll be talking about new ways to gather, more ways to gather. We'll talk about classes, men and women's ministry events, Bible studies, prayer gatherings, fellowships, support groups, ministry teams, service teams. Each of these with great potential for mutual care and healthy interaction. So get ready for that in the fall. So as members of the body of Christ, we share in one most essential relationship and it is the basis for our gatherings. And that is we all have a relationship with Jesus. And that relationship binds us together. And my story is when I came into that Bible study that night, they were actually, of all things, studying 1 Corinthians 12. Really? Not a very evangelistic message, maybe. But all I knew is I had to come to this powerful conclusion. I am not a part of the body. I am not a part of the body. You can become a gathered member of the body of Christ today, and you can do it by asking Jesus to forgive you for all the things you've done wrong and come into relationship with him through his Holy Spirit. You can do that today. So if you sense God is drawing you in today, I want you to pray in your heart this prayer that I'm about to read right now. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from anything that I know is wrong. I do want to be part of the body of Christ. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So did you make that decision today to follow Jesus? Did you, do you maybe renew your relationship with him in this prayer? And so if you're online with us today, I will say this. There are going to be instructions at the end of the broadcast where you can get more information about what to do about your decision to follow Jesus. But if everyone else would just bow your heads, close your eyes for a second here right now. If you heard this message and you're here in the sanctuary today and you made that decision that you want to be part of the body of Christ and you know you have not been, I'd like to know that you made that decision. So if you could just slip a hand up in the air, lift it up high so I can see it because the ushers have some material to give you. If you made that decision today, just put up your hand. Oh, lovely. Okay. All right, God bless all of you. Would you please stand with me now? So as we close in prayer, I just want you to think about a couple things. This is something you're never going to forget. That is, if you want to know how integrated and how close you are in fellowship, if you want to know how intimately gathered you are, I'll give you this test. It's called the spinach test. That is, if I have spinach between my teeth, is there somebody who's going to say to me, hey, Bob, you got spinach in your teeth. You have to have somebody that close to you, that caring for you, that loving towards you, who knows you that well, that they can say to you, hey, 
you've got some spinach in your teeth. Do you understand that's a spinach test? We need to think about that one. Well, let's pray. So God, we, we declare our dependence, Lord, on you. But now today, God, we want to declare, because the scripture says so, God, how much we depend on one another. And Lord, if we've been going it alone here, then God, we repent. We repent. Lord, I pray that if we've been neglecting, we've been excluding ourselves or excluding others, oh God, the attitudes, they're bad attitudes, Lord. We repent of those right now, Lord. Whenever we exclude somebody else, whenever we exclude ourselves, God, we repent. Forgive us, please, Lord, for neglecting your body. Lord, thank you for the gifts you've given to us, the ones that we know about. But Lord, I thank you that you want to give more gifts, more gifts to your people, God. So Lord, forgive us, but bless us. Because I know, Lord, you want to give us gifts. Instead, Lord, renew our vision that we'd see one another not just as random people, not as a group of very different, diverse people, but rather, Lord, as an assembly of those who've been filled with spiritual gifts, power gifts, very needed practical gifts, God, that you've given to us. Lord, help me to see it that way as you do, Lord. Because, Lord, you're the one who designed it that way. You are the one, Lord, who blessed us so that we can be a blessing to one another. And Spirit of God, if there's anyone today who is uncertain of their gifts, if they don't know their place in the body of Christ, oh God, please reveal it to them. Help them to find it. Help them to discover it, Lord. Because God, we know the blessing that comes when all of us know our part in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. If we could just close with a special request I had today, and some of you may not know these words of the song. I'm going to try to get the right key. It's God bless America. Right? God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her, and guide her through the night with the light from above from the mountains to the valleys to the oceans white with foam god bless america my Sweet home, God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.